comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. This team is elite, and this is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Austin Bolton, and today we have a three-person weave with my wife, Carly House Bolton, and the Aztec Breakdown podfather himself, Trone. You can follow Trone in the show at Aztec Breakdown. You can follow me at It's Austin Bolton. You can follow Carly at Car Car McGee, Kyle at Call Me Kinslow, Jacob at Aztec Analytics. And uh, we, we've noticed, you know, winning definitely brings more listenership. We've noticed that. I've definitely noticed that since we've been going through this. So if you're new to the show, stoked about, stoked about the team, go ahead and hit that like, uh, subscribe, review, give five stars. Just keep the good vibes coming because uh, that's what the Aztecs are doing. So... Uh, the Aztecs won in Louisville, Kentucky. They beat Alabama 71-64 to for the team's ever first Elite Eight. Trone, give us your reaction. You know, I, um, I'm still kind of speechless, actually, I think. I was, like, shaking still for probably a few hours after the game. I had a buddy of mine text me, um... And he, he texts me after the game, and he says, I've never cried after the end of a basketball game until today, right? Um, so it's, it, was, it was intense, and I had, I had a couple friends um, who are more Zoe's friends, right? My fiance, they're more her friends, but like obviously we all know each other. And they texted her, and they were like, is Mordecai doing okay? They call me Mordecai, for reference. And um, I have a lot of names. And so they text her, they're like, is he doing okay? And she says, we're going to get pancakes for dinner because that's his version of a kegger. So that's how we're doing. Um, it was a fantastic night, and I am so, so jealous that you guys were able to be there in the building. That must have been really awesome. Yeah, I mean, Carly, how you feel? We'll, we'll go into a bit of it, but Carly, yeah. how you still feeling this morning? Because we also had a crier in the building last night. <laughs> it's true. I, I started crying maybe with like a minute left in the game, maybe two, because we were so close, and it was one of those mixed mm-hmm. emotions things where like there was no way I was celebrating until the buzzer sounded, mm-hmm. but it was within a grasp, and that was just kind of how I thought about the game the whole time, you know. Had we... Had we lost the game and gotten beat, um, you know, as Dutch says, like we would have tipped our hats mm-hmm. to them. But the whole time, the game being close, I was like, if we lose, it's going to be heartbreaking because we are right here with them. And man, a small but mighty fan base there. We had some really, really loud fans. Um, and just that win was incredible. I was sobbing. I saw uh, Lamont Butler's parents after the game, and I was telling them I was crying. And it was just tears of joy. It, it, it was some great moments. I mean, shout out to Mama Butler, and she said we could use this. She predicted this team was going to the Final Four, and she wanted to put it out in the universe that she still believed that. She told us that after the game last night. So She told those guys they could beat Bama, and look what they did. I will say, to your point about like after the game, so the Yum Center, is a, it's a terrible building, but <laughs> they have like a huge concourse that loops around. And we were so stunned. We had to like go for a walk, and mm-hmm. we did two aimless laps around the Yum Center between games, just being like, we don't know what to do. 
Yeah. We don't, we don't know what to do with ourselves. We were just going around high-fiving as many people as we could. You know, we were... So going into the game, just so everybody can get a feel of, you know, just kind of the... Just, you know, if you listen today and you decide you want to come on a whim, this is how it'll be tomorrow, too. They're having the same setup. So they had kind of like a pregame party at this place called the Sports and Social Club. It's on their main drag here where they had a bunch of food and you could get whatever. And they had the whole band come and they had the cheerleaders and that really set the vibe for the day. Like they did the fight song, they did the muse song, they had the whole thing going. Princeton also had their party at this place and all the Princeton people like had their phones out like watching the watching our stuff. <laughs> and uh, it was just like the, the vibes were so, the vibes were actually very good with all the fan bases except for one if you can guess which one it probably was that kind of killed the vibes mm -hmm. but you know we go over we get to the game and we're in a san diego state we bought our tickets through san diego state but like some people must have claimed their tickets and sold them because we were in throes of alabama fans like in our whole section and they were they were pretty disgruntled and like they were they were jerk like i will say like i the Creighton fans were great. The Princeton fans were awesome. There's a million Princeton fans here. The Alabama fans were entitled. They were jerks. They were just like, I don't know, like you guys, they win so much and they, they acted like entitled brats. And it was really, they kind of were kind of how their team reacted to their whole controversy this year. It was really gross. Like, I don't know, Carly, am I overstating it here? Uh, no, I mean, it's just, it was it was funny because there was a lot of jovial basketball good vibes going on, and then they were just kind of the counter to that. It My, my tweet in the first, at the end of the first half was that Alabama fans were like dot, 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 unhappy. <laughs> they, they were whining. It was it was funny. It was if, fun. If, it, if this puts it into context and the two anecdotes we have, so the, before the game we were walking over, we were going to grab a drink at one of the bars. And this guy is like reaching over to pay his tab and kind of reached over this, the, the bartender gave it to him and he turned around to this guy and just said, hey man, like get the F out of our way. Like we're trying to have a conversation. And like, he's just like getting in this guy. This old man is like getting in this guy's face about like getting in his way at a bar next to the, next to the stadium where there's thousands of people at. And then at the game, we were sitting these, next to these really lovely Creighton fans they're, they were they were older and they there was these three thirties like late twenties early thirty somethings guys in front of them and they wouldn't sit down, which is to they did buy the tickets and it is semi their right but the older folks behind us said hey we can't stand the whole game, would you mind trying to sitting down more, and they it was so uncomfortable the entire game because they were so rude to those Creighton fans, and then as the game was going the Creighton fans were like actively then rooting for us as were the Princeton fans next to us <laughs> who started who started to like. Also, just side note, tried to like, they thought the game was wrapped up with a minute to go and like, this is your first time here. This game is not wrapped up. You need to stop with, you need to stop with that. And then after the game ended, the Alabama's look back, fans look back at this lady, all disgruntled and go, we're going to stand the entire Creighton game just to ruin your time. Wow. And like looked in their face like that. And it was like, who are you guys? Like, get out of here. So we actually gave our seats to the Creighton fans, and we kind of moved up with some other people that we saw there so they could kind of be out of the way. But, like, mm -hmm. those were two anecdotes of just, like, how curmudgeon-y and, like, entitled the Bama fans were, which was too bad because everybody else was great. The Creighton fans, like they were in Maui, were great. The Princeton fans were – they were just happy to be there. And otherwise, it was great vibes. But that was, that was kind of our pregame and dealing with the Bama fans. And then just during the game, like – Small but mighty, 
you know, I don't know. How would, how would you describe what, what the game was, Car? Yeah, I mean, we were so high energy the whole first half. It was very clear that, you know, our game plan was being exacted, you know, exactly how we wanted it to be. My chant for the whole game was muck it up, muck it up. I just kept, like, yelling that at our guys because mm-hmm. that's what they were doing. And uh, Alabama's fans were pretty sleepy. I mean, they were... It was an older crowd. It was like all the really retired fans. Like that's who came to the game. Well, so, they were getting handled, right? So yeah. like they didn't, they didn't cheer for their team in adversity at all. You know, the only time they came to life was right in the second half when they went on that run, and they came to life for a minute. I looked at Austin. I was like, oh, they're they're here, and then as soon as we as soon as we came back, sat down again, yeah. and, and it was it was super interesting because I do feel like that's the difference between many fan bases and ours is kind of always trying to rally and and help our team and and we did that it was hilarious carly got a good laugh from all the other fans because it was like 18 to 16 with like eight minutes to go in the first half and she just screams we love ugly basketball (laughs) and everybody all the other fans just kind of acknowledged and laughed at it like it was it was so funny that like we were kind of doing what we wanted but you know once the game was once we kind of took the lead we went up nine everybody Everybody was, you could feel it, but they were too, we were all too nervous to celebrate it. We're like, because we knew what happened last year at Creighton. We knew all of, you know, what was there. We had the wonky thing happen to us, which always, you know, we had the wonky technical with the terrible foul call. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh no, like, at least it, I thought it was like, oh, there's the wonky thing that's going to kill us. And, you know, to this team's credit, they have kind of shed all of that. And they, I mean, they pulled it off. It was, it was unbelievable. That was, yeah. Great times. But the, yeah, and then afterwards, you know, there's just a big group of us that kind of, it was pouring rain here in Louisville last night. So like everybody was just try, trying to get together and stay inside, but it was, it was awesome. And it was just, you know, if, if you had, if you're, if, if you could make it try to like it, it's, I know it's a, t- it's a really tough flight to get here for most, for most of our fans, but it was it was a once in a it was a crazy experience. So, did I miss anything? No, no. I mean, just we've been we've been relishing in it too. Like, there was the like numbness, the stunnedness of like finally, like finally it went our way, and um, you know, I think we're just gonna get to ride that all day. All right. So, I, from like like a TV experience, Troy, when you were listening, when you were watching the game, like, did it? Did it feel like it was a partisan crowd? Like, did you notice it? I know you said you last time you don't you don't really notice it too much, but like, how how did it how did it look and feel on TV? Like, from from an Aztec fan perspective? Yeah, you know, I think I probably noticed it even less this time. I I will say this to to Carly's point. I don't think I remember, aside from maybe like one time all game, the Alabama fans cheering for anything. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that they never did, but like to your point, like, I I didn't notice it, right? And and granted, I'm I'm distracted for other reasons as well, but like I didn't notice that. But like from the jump, I think it was I think it was the third Aztec basket of the game was the Kashad alley oop, right? And Aztec fans were were going, and and I think I mean you could tell it wasn't all Aztec fans there, but it was enough that it was like there's there's a crowd there for sure. Like this team can, can run off of these, off of these vibes here. So, you know, I, I couldn't give a percentage onto what the crowd was based off of the TV, but the Aztec fans seemed a lot happier <laughs> throughout the game. So that was nice. It was, yeah, it just, just everybody was just so, it was just such a, 
uplifting experience and everybody just kept the good vibes it didn't really get down i mean it got a little quiet when we were down nine mm-hmm. i mean obviously mm-hmm. but like you know i mean let's get into our first guy here i mean darian Tremel. i mean he personally brought the game back i mean i think he had a personal 8-0 run as part of the kill shot 12-0 run yep and i just you know i have been relatively you know basketball critical on darian Tremel. he seems like a good guy and he was a great player at seattle talk and he was great at byu but like talk about what timing i mean i had just you know what a gutsy awesome he was efficient he was pesky on defense i mean just what a performance by darian Tremel. you can tell he did the work to figure out what his opportunity would be in this game because you know on paper you know his size in this matchup seemed a little dicey Mm -hmm. but he even spoke about it you know after the game how he you know watched them on tape and found ways where he could create shots and and he did it and he saw that basketball go through the net which is just what we've all wanted from him all season so it was it was heroic he even commented you know right before that run he kind of huddled the team together and he was the one hyping them and saying like this is march let's go we got to go on a run and then he made it happen so super happy for him it was really fun to watch him play Trone, you always know that he's got that dog in him. So what, what were you feeling during uh, that Darian Trammell run there in he, the second half? He has that dog in him, right? And I, I felt like I said that once a game early in the season, and then conference play happened, and it, it, it kind of went away. The, the dog was, was lost for a moment there, moment being like, you know, the better part of 18 games. But it is back, at least for that one game. It was back and never a better time. You mentioned he had a personal 8-0 run that was over – four possessions i was writing the the recap for mountain west wire and so i went back and i you know i went through the play-by-play and everything and it was over four possessions he scored eight points and alabama had none um so that's huge i think that that 12-0 kill shot was part of an overall 16-2 run and i think Tramel had 12 of his points in that 16-2 run he was absolutely fantastic and and never at a better time than when you're down nine that was when it happened right that's when he starts that run and he goes on and he hits a three gets a steal gets a layup on the other end two plays later hits another three and i was i was also stoked that like obviously i'm not taking credit for this but you know i had pointed out on twitter how alabama does that deep drop coverage with bediaco and Tramel, i'm sure had seen that either himself or the coaches pointed out and he had the confidence to rise up in that in those drops when the defender went under the screen and he knew it was enough space and he got those shots off and and started a run himself and it brought energy to the rest of the team and the fans and it was absolutely amazing definitely the mvp of the game um yeah never a better time for something like that he he definitely seems to be the one guy not affected by that ball that everybody hates there's all this stuff on, about the new Wilson ball. Everybody thinks it's too bouncy and everybody hates it. I've seen it all kind of on, online mm-hmm. about all the teams. Mm-hmm. He seems to be okay with it. So it works. <laughs> Take it. Um, I, you know, I will say with Tramel's the shot structure of Tramel, I think it was Seiko too, is that they very obviously were willing to give us the mid-range because that is analytically the worst shot in basketball. Yep. And all the Alabama fans, every time we took a mid-range, were like, oh, it's fine. Like, let them take those. But that's what they gave us, and we took the shot that was open because that's what they were giving. I mean, Seiko to find his two mid ranges, which he'd been kind of hadn't taken all season, to pump and get to that elbow spot because mm-hmm. we needed some kind of jump shot because we weren't going to get to the rim as much and the threes weren't dropping. So for Tramel and also Seiko, I think that was a that was a really nice adjustment to kind of just take what the defense gave him. Whereas like not taking mid ranges on Alabama side, I thought really killed them because. 
every time they they drove past the three-point line you knew you knew they were going directly to the paint before they kicked it out again so they were able to just collapse on those guys Menson knew exactly what they were going to do and then our defense is so athletic enough that when they kicked it back out we had we were able to rotate back out. We switch everything anyway, so it doesn't matter. You kind of just take the first guy you're closest to. And I thought that was a huge Achilles heel for Alabama that, you know, I, I told you last time that I thought it was a little predictable, obviously, what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think the, Azte- the Aztecs really exploited that on on the other side, too, of them not taking mid-ranges. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you hate the mid-range drone? Because I know it's analytically bad. Or did you think it was? Did you think it was the right move for what those kind of guys, what those guys found for themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think it's you can never oversimplify it, right? And and Nate Oates, I do think, is a really good basketball coach, and he has leaned into the analytics, and he's had a lot of success doing it. Um, I think every shot is slightly different, though, right? And and while over the course of a hundred or a thousand shots, a three-pointer is going to give you more value over the course of, you know, this very specific scenario that is happening in this exact moment, um, a tough two might give you a better return than, you know, a turnover or whatever, right? And so it, it's, everything has to be in moderation. And I do, I do like the analytics because it's just a different frame of the game and it lets you it's a way to challenge your own biases is what i think i like about it and with numbers it's very easy to know how whatever metric you're looking at it's very easy to know what biases that metric has right the metrics aren't perfect either they're biased the same exact way people are um it's just a lot easier to identify those biases so you know what the metric is good at and what it's bad at um so yeah tough twos right long twos in general not not worth a lot um but in certain but moments your point about right the, but to your point about the their deep drop coverage like they were open it's not yeah. like they were getting to the basket and getting yeah. blocked i'd rather take that elbow jumper that's kind of wide open and that's and that's what they did so yeah and that's what right, and that's what alabama refused to do right and especially yep. late in the game they had opportunities for those long twos and they decided to drive to the rim instead and Nathan Mensa had a block party. So Yeah. That Quinterly guy, man, four blocks. He got blocked by Mensa four times in the second half. Which is just unbelievable. I mean just you know, we'll get to Nate in a little bit, but um, you know, just Nate showed up. The Nate that was from that twenty we talked about him against Luca Garza, like that's the Nate that showed up, and I'm just—he was so—he was so awesome, and he was so plain, so free, and so happy. It was mm-hmm. really great to see. All right, Carly, you were all over the Houston Chronicle article this morning that they wrote about Jaden Ladee. Get what's what's your first thoughts on uh, on Jaden's performance uh, in this game? I mean, I think I've said it maybe three separate times this year, but it, he is who we thought he was. Like this is for Tremel and Ladee to have these games at this point in the season on this stage. Like this is what we thought we would have. You know, and, and I think part of it is just the fact that they needed time to get, you know, to roll with this team for a while. They've figured something out. They're both shining, you know. Jaden, I think, has just found the perfect spot to land with us, and, and he's figured out what he can do, when he can do it, grabbing the rebounds to create some offense. You know, he put that guy on his butt, but, like, I mean, <laughs> when he talked about it in the, the post game, it's like, and then he fell down, which is exactly what happened. Like, Jaden didn't plow him. He finessed that, the spin move to the dunk. Like, what a monster moment, and it's just uh, – you know, he's such an important ingredient of this team's success up to this point and hopefully moving forward. Um, 
and I, I was just really happy to see the way that he played. Um, these guys, all these guys, man, they're just, it, the connectedness is supreme. I, I will say, we talk a lot about NBA stuff with Brandon Miller being the second or third pick or whatever. That spin move and dunk was as a professional NBA move that happened in that game as anything that happened. That was that was the most impressive thing I saw all game. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was like, did I mean he just like where we were, we were kind of behind the bench. So when he did that spin and he dunked, his arm reached out where it looked like Space Jam at the end of Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Like that's how it looked from where we were sitting. And he just threw that thing down and I mean he's just really come into his own. I mean he had his struggles early in the season, no doubt about it. But, man, has he found his rhythm on this team, and he is the guy that was promised. And look where we are. I mean, it's it's totally true. How would you feel about Jaden's performance, Tron? Bama fans were so upset about that play. Oh, well, I'm sure. I was watching it on – I saw it on Twitter this morning. Somebody posted, like, the video, and there was, like, 20 comments of Bama fans being like, that's a charge. But they're not going to call it because, of course, they need to give the Aztecs their Cinderella story. And I'm like, Really? Really? You think the NCAA is going to put the Aztecs into the Elite Eight in the Final Four? They would never do that because the Aztecs don't have enough viewership, right? Like, we're super passionate, obviously, but, like, you know, why would they do us instead of Alabama? Alabama's going to make them more money. This is the stupidest, like, thing I've ever heard, except for obviously not really. But, man, like, it was... It was ridiculous. Um, Ladie was fantastic. He got off to a slow start early in the game. Um, you know, in, in his in his first shift, he, like, fumbled a ball once, and he, he did something else once. So he seemed to start off slow, but once he settled in, he was great. Like you both said, he's really he's really settled in. He's the guy that we expected. He, uh, he prevented at one point, I think it was early in the second half, he prevented an Alabama kill shot because they were on an 8-0 run, and Ladie hit one of those elbow jumpers, and he took it, and I was like, he's not great at that shot and then he drained it and i was like never mind don't listen to me lady you do you <laughs> you got this so yeah no that was fantastic what'd you so moving on what do you think of nate's performance trying mean, we talked about it a little bit with the block party he hit a he took a mid-range which i think the whole crowd was like no 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 yes what'd you what'd you think about what nate mensa did during during this game i think i mean mensa he did have that shot right i don't remember how many points he had he, he wasn't a scoring phenomenon by any by any stretch, I'm trying to pull it up. Four points, right? On, yeah, four on points, eight shots. rebounds. And missed a lot of free throws. So, like, by no means a perfect game. But at the same time, did what he was supposed to do and came through in the clutch in the end with all those blocks. They were driving to the hoop. They were, they were. you could hear the announcer's voice in their heads saying, we don't need a three right now. It's okay to get a two, right? The way the announcers always say it. I don't think they said it on TV this time. I don't think they ever said Alabama doesn't need a three here, but it felt like that's what the Bama players were saying to themselves. Like, we don't need a three here. Uh, and Mensa made sure they didn't even get a two point shot. So that was, that was absolutely amazing. They, uh, Dana O'Neill from The Athletic did a big thing on how the Aztecs shut down Alabama. And Nate actually, according to her reporting, made an adjustment in the second half and said, push Quinterly to his off to his left hand and funnel him down to me because he's not going to score over me. And that was an adjustment that he made himself during the game. And um, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. He had four... He had, he had five blocks, and four, all of them were in the second half, mm-hmm. and he had four of them on that one guy. So, you know, talk about just knowing the, you know, 
we, we get on Dutch for saying players play and like we think that means lack of coaching, but you want to talk about players making adjustments and playing. I mean, that's a prime example of kind of letting your guys do their thing. And Nathan was like, move them to his left. I will be there waiting. And it absolutely worked. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to think about it. It's not as, indiv- you know, players play as individual performances, but as players make these decisions together about how they want to, you know, approach this strategy to beat this team. And that's what I heard more of, at least in the commentary last night. And it was so awesome to hear. They were, you know, being leaders and, and making decisions and, and doing it together and, and really playing as a team. And I think that was another thing that was an edge for us over Alabama because they, of course, have some really great individual talent, but we played as a team. Um, I mean, that's the that's the perks of having an old group, right? You couldn't you couldn't really trust a bunch of 18 and 19 year old freshmen like Alabama have. You probably have to micromanage a little bit more. But when you have a bunch of fourth, fifth, sixth year guys, like they've been around enough, they're you know, it's the one some some of the stuff that the NBA is missing because there's so much player movement. But these guys have been ingrained in the system so long that they know where to tweak. They know where the plan B and the plan C is. And they were able to make those adjustments on the defense. And it was it was awesome. Okay, can I talk about my guy Keyshawn for a minute? Please sure. do. Yeah, go for it. I mean, like, he had, he had a pretty decent game, 8.6 rebounds. He missed a couple big dunks, which I was sad. But this guy locked Brandon Miller up. And I don't think people paid as much attention to it because it wasn't, you know, the flashy stuff that was happening. But Brandon Miller had a terrible night. And Keyshawn was his primary defender. And I just, you know, thought he did such an excellent job shutting him down, making, and same thing, commented after the game, all I wanted to do was make every single thing he was doing harder for him. And, that, you know, that was the solution. I, that was the key. I mean, for all, all things considered, Miller didn't have a great tournament for Alabama, so um, that kind of continued. But I really wanted to give some kudos to Keyshawn for that. I mean, as, as I noted on the last pod we did, you don't bust slumps against San Diego State. And <laughs> he didn't. I mean, he, three for 19, one for 10. I mean, that is, that is tough living right there. I mean, just the, I, mean, they, I, mean, I thought Paris did a great job on him. They switched pretty well. You know, one thing I mentioned to Carly before the game was that he dribbles high because he's a tall guy. And so Tremel and Butler were, were able to kind of get in there and get some cookies out of it. Like, they really they really took advantage of certain sweet spots that they thought they could have with against Alabama. And um, and just a, what, a, what a wonderful defensive performance. I mean, any, anything that you saw on the defensive side, Tron? Yeah, I mean... Just kind of echoing your guys' points here. This is becoming a big echo chamber, but it's okay because we're all happy. Um, Miller, I think I think you said for the game, Miller had three shots made and six turnovers, right? He That trend was true of his entire tournament experience. He had more turnovers than made field goals, I heard, on wow. whatever the CBS podcast is with, with uh, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. Um so that was that was amazing, especially considering like that the Aztecs doubled up on turnovers as opposed to to made shots. That's really impressive. I really liked the coach's decision to play Johnson on Miller. Um, it's one of those kind of high risk, high reward things because you get Bradley now guarding a six ten guy instead of a six nine guy. Um, and on the very first play, it burned them a little bit because Bradley isn't used to guarding the role man as much. Because he's a perimeter player, so he doesn't normally do it. And so the role man was able to get behind him and got the dunk and the foul, and that's how Bama got their first three points. And that was, uh, what's his name, Clowney, I want to say? Yeah. Yep. Um, 
but those were also the only three points Clowney got the whole game. He finished one for six himself, and so like, and 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 that's not all because of Bradley, right? You mentioned all the switching and everything, but um, that was something that that I thought was a little bit more on the creative side as opposed to just lining everybody up tallest versus tallest, right? Which is what I was kind of thinking they might do. Um, so it worked out well, and I'm not going to be surprised if we see something kind of similar against Creighton, but we can, we'll can we get into that later. All right, so Matt Bradley, not his best game, but Brandon Miller also guarded Bradley, and height has always been a thing that gives Bradley a problem. I mean, he's 6'4", but, man, did he break the press at the end. He hit big free throws. A guy that, you know, he crushed himself for not being clutch. We've talked about this a million times. Mm-hmm. So but he hit big three th- free throws again. Just talk about, just a gutsy performance. But I may have saw the worst tweet of the year on your thing that I commented on, and you commented back. You even cussed at him. I was proud of you. I, I said to Carly <laughs> I was proud of you for that. So, so, Trone, I'm giving you the floor of just – some garbage takes during what should have been a happy day is, is is a happy day for San Diego State University. It it listen, I do want to potentially slightly walk back that one and here's why. Here's here, here's why. There, there's some important context needed in that if you're a fan and your team is playing poorly, I'm not saying you can't be upset. Right, that's 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 not. You can be upset, right? And you can criticize your team. We do it all the time, right? We call out this guy didn't play well today, right? Whatever. Um, what made me so upset about this tweet? And I'm not gonna say who it was. I, I did I did put it on Twitter, but I'm not here to like out people or whatever. But somebody mentioned that Matt Bradley's game was like embarrassing, and he's never gonna look at Matt Bradley the same way again. And this was you know about halfway through the second half, and and. To be fair, Matt Bradley was having a bad game, right? He was like 0 for 7 or something like that, or 0 for 8 at that point from the floor, um, had sat out most of the first half with foul trouble. So, like, sure, it was a bad game. But my point was, like, why are you letting this guy, before the Bama game, had scored almost 1,000 points in two years. He got two over 1,000 points. He's at, I think, 1,002 now for his Aztec career. So he's a thousand point scorer in two years. But even before the Bama game, if he doesn't score a single point, he's at right at that limit of a thousand points. And why are you going to let one bad performance? Granted, stakes are high. I get it. But why are you going to let one bad performance color the rest of the two years of him being here? Um, that just seemed that just seemed dumb to me, right? Like that—that's what you do if you are actively trying to make yourself miserable all the time it's just not a a healthy way to live and i'm being super judgmental about it and even saying it right now makes me feel a little bad but like just don't do that just it's dumb and then there was there was somebody else who once again i'm not going to out but i i tweeted at the half that uh you know the aztecs are up five and i said i said this is about as good as the half as you could have expected Right. Realistically speaking, when everybody is taking Alabama and like going into it, I thought Alabama was going to win. Like they're a really good team. Right. That's not to say the Aztecs aren't good, but I I don't know how many games the Aztecs win if you do it a hundred times. Right. Um, Maybe more than the national media would have expected, but but I still think Alabama maybe wins more of them. I don't know. Not the point. Anyway, so I'm like five-point lead at the half in a game you're expected to lose by seven or eight points and many people are saying double digits that seems like a good first half to me like it doesn't matter what it is right if you're up five to zero at the half or if you're up 65 to 60 at the half, it doesn't matter you're up five and so that's that's great 
and somebody came in and was like, yeah, but the top three scores haven't hit any shots yet. And I, I'm sitting there, why? Why does it matter? The team is up five. Who cares who hit the shots? Doesn't that even make it better? Because that, I mean, that was the case? You could argue that, right? <laughs> right? Because you're expecting your guys to start hitting shots at some point. And, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, you're thinking Alabama's going to hit shots eventually, too, which they kind of didn't. Um, but, like, <laughs> man, like, uh, like I, well, I get that approach of, like, Alabama's going to start hitting shots, so you need your guys to hit shots, sure. But, like, why are you expecting them to hit shots and not your own guys? And why are you... Why are you complaining about anything when your team is up five against the top-seeded team in the nation, right? At least wait till the game is over to complain. At least, and I'm like, these these responses are coming in when I'm te- when I'm tweeting stuff, and I'm like, I I can't tweet anymore during games because there are there are it's not a lot of them, but there are enough Aztec fans that just only want to say negative stuff. And there's I've been doing this for six years now, right? Doing doing Aztec breakdown, and there are people and I'm like I know their their avatar and I know their names on Twitter and stuff and they only ever respond with something negative to say and I'm like why 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 do you only respond with something negative to say why is it you know how many people at the beginning of the year were talking about coach Dutcher needs to be fired because he's 0 and 3 in the tournament and now he's 3 and 3 right and those people aren't going to say a thing about it they aren't going to say a single thing, right? It would be slightly better if they come up and be like, I was wrong. I messed up. That would make it a little bit better, right? And and that's okay to be wrong. We're all wrong. I didn't think Yanni Wetzel was going to be a great addition in 2020. I remember having a list of like six players that I, that I posted out that could be transferred or were high school recruits, and Yanni Wetzel was the last one on the list. I was wrong. I messed up. It happens, right? Um, Tramel, I've been all over Tramel this yeah. season, and he he dominated it. And it was, it, you know, it, it's okay. To, it's okay to be like, wow, he he showed up. It, it it was different than I thought it would be. It's it's okay to do that. This is sports. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed Make to it be fun. fun. You said that like a couple shows ago. Like basketball is supposed to be fun, and that has like really stuck in my head because some of these people come on Twitter and their only job is to try and try and you guys know i work in a school and there's a saying in elementary schools that you tell kids not to yuck other people's yum right which is just if they're if they're happy don't try and make them let them enjoy what they want to enjoy especially if it doesn't hurt you right like it's such a basic thing and all these people come on twitter and that's all they want to do is just like bring you down and then and that's half a padres twitter right there it's so much all they try to do is is shit on us like it's 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 gross and i'm and once again i'm not saying you can't criticize absolutely criticize right um that's 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 fine to do and i and you know if you talk about padres twitter you don't have to be an aztec fan nobody's making you be i i don't care if you're an aztec fan or not but like also then why are you going to come up and talk trash about the aztecs maybe if you're a fan of another college but if you have no stake in the game why are you why what's the point the only guy i've ever seen is there's a unlv guy who lives in san diego that's a padres fan he's allowed to he's the one guy if you're if you're you're in that boat like that's the guy that makes sense that i totally get that right and there's and there's trash talk between teams that's fine but like these people that say they're aztecs fans and then all they do is complain despite everything that's happened absolutely blows my mind and so i'm like i'm not going to tweet at all during the elite eight game because like it for me right now this team has surpassed my expectation actually right like i think i said at the beginning of the year in the preseason pod 
I thought they'd go 16-2 and two in conference. They were one game behind that. Um, and I thought they would make the Sweet 16, right? And obviously had potential to do more. I, I remember saying that, but, like, my expectation was the Sweet 16, and now they're in the Elite Eight. So, like, it doesn't matter what happens from this point out. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Enjoy it, and if they lose that's fine because they still did something no other Aztec team has ever done. We can still be happy about that. And you can be upset that they lose. We all want more. I get it. But like, oh my gosh, all the people that even during Dutch's first year, people were saying to fire him. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works. Or people that are like, you know, anytime somebody misses a shot, they're like, you had to make that shot. Like you don't have to make every single shot in a bat. That's not how this works. Can we just enjoy being a great shooter? Being a great three point shooter is still failing three out of five times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, you know, there, like was, there was another guy. I don't even remember the context of the conversation, but I, I was kind of having this type of conversation on him with Twitter. Like, like you're the only reason you're saying this is to bring other people down basically. And he was like, Oh, well I guess people can only enjoy basketball the way you want to enjoy it or whatever. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all, but you don't have to try and bring it. It doesn't seem like you're enjoying it. If, also that, right? Also that. If you're only going to enjoy it with a national championship, that's fine. You still watch it, do whatever you want. But, like, don't come into my mentions trying to bring me down because the team has only made the round of 32 or whatever it is, right? Like, that's a happy time. If you don't want to be happy about that, that's fine. But don't come up to me telling me I should also be unhappy. Stupid. There was, it's funny that you say that because there were some Alabama fans last night after the game that definitely were side eyeing, like act like you've been there before, but we haven't been there before. We so haven't. It's great. Like it's, it's fun. Like let, let us let us have this. Like it's freak. You guys went. You guys went a lot at the big stuff. This is a first time for us. Like yes, we are going to act like it's our first time because it is our first yeah. time. And like don't give us that side eye. I think one of the best things about this win and, and getting to this level is is how it will kind of start to silence some of the doubters. I mean, there are always going to be some haters out there, but like I can't even tell you how many people are like, oh, did you even have the Aztecs going this far? And I'm like, yes, I absolutely did. Maybe some of that is the Homer in me. Sure. But I think a lot of that is also the fact that like this team is good. And for whatever reason, you know, people like to you know, pick on us or doubt us or, you know, they don't pay enough attention so they don't really know what's there. And so I'm just so happy that we get to be on the stage, that we got to win on this stage at this level. We get to play again. I just feel like for the first time, like what I feel inside about this team is something that has like proof. There's there's proof of life here and that this team is actually really good. And I'm, I'm just so happy to have like, you can talk shit on us if you want in the Mountain West or whatever, but like we're in the Elite Eight, so whether you like us or not, like first, you can't argue. First time ever for any Mountain West team. Yeah, and I just mean, like, just yeah, I love Jeff Grammer's tweets about um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. man, the Mountain West has more combined teams in the Elite Eight than the Big Ten, the SEC, and whatever else. <laughs> I guess I guess like I always say, the Mountain West is great in March. Like it's uh, it's just a, hila- a hilarious tweet, but it's just like all right, like. Here's some validation. I mean, even teams that hate us on, like, Nevada's fans and, like, Utah State's fans are like, yes, like, thank you for bringing, like, Mountain West cred- like credibility because it, it has fallen short in previous years. And, like, the support kind of rallying behind us on that has been has been interesting to see. And, like, I, I'm grateful for it. And, you know, I remember when Nevada made the Sweet 16, I was happy for mm-hmm. them. Like, it was the same kind of thing. But it's nice to see that the conference is rallying behind us even before we potentially depart, like knock on wood. But like, it's, you know, it's, it's so gratifying to just get us 
our team and our program and the broader group of the Mountain West that has been consistently called overrated for the last forever. And Well, there's such a delta between like making the tournament and winning the tournament, right? And so as Dutch talks to recruits or in the media or whatever about like the goal of this program is to win a national championship. And it's not going to happen overnight. But the fact that we're now this close to that process is huge and it, it just makes it all feel like such more of a reality like this is within our reach like I mean, we could win a few more games here and that to me is just like, i mean we're eight we're eighth of 367 division one teams whatever it is that's like the top 98 percentile of of college basketball and i we mean beat the overall number one seed like that feels to me like the biggest hurdle of this all to be over that, like the rest of this feels actually like we got a shot. Mm-hmm. So I, I am going to hate on one thing real quick. I'm going to jump on my soapbox here about we're, we're talking about killing vibes, like showing your mission on Twitter. I just want to say one thing about a, a guy at the game last night that was completely inappropriate. I was ashamed that he was an Aztec fan, quite frankly. And so we're at the game. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's ready to go. And this guy comes down and start, he's walking up and down the SDSU section. He's an SDSU alumni and fan, apparently, screaming about cancel culture, about how, what are they doing with Mani Montezuma, Call, calling President De La Torre swear words, and just ranting the first, the, the last, the 15 minutes leading into the game, just murdering the vibe in our section. Just murdering the vibe. And it's just like, look, I'm not going to get into the merits of what he was saying, but like we were there to focus on the team for the team success. The players' families were there, and to bring that bullshit to the game was out of line. And then as he's going on this rant, and everybody's kind of side eyeing this guy, and he's talking trash about President De La Torre, he the guy's like, Oh, well, you could tell her right there. And she's walking up, and he goes up and calls her a word that rhymes with witch right to her face in front of all of our fans while we're supposed to be getting ready for the biggest game in our school's history. And this guy was, it just was so, I was so ashamed that he was a part of our group. And I, I, I wish I would have gotten up and said something. I regret not, I was kind of in the middle and I, it was hard to get over there. You were trying to preserve the vibe though. Like Mm -hmm. you were trying to be like, Mm -hmm. ignore it. It was, it was unfortunate. It was was supposed to be about basketball. It was so gross. And like, I don't know. The merits of, you know, that's not my position. They've talked about it for a while, but also it's over. Get over it. Like, that, that it is a thing that's not coming back, but I'm not going to get into it too much on whether that's right or wrong. But um, it's, uh, it was just a real shame that that guy did that before the game. It was gross. It was disrespectful to the players and their families. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, hopefully they're going to shuffle our seats a little bit for this next game. Uh, <laughs> It's interesting to see we obviously are weirdly playing a six seed, and so we're the home team. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if, if we shuffle our sections. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know we had some fans that got stuck up in the 300 level, unfortunately, even with the school allotment of, of tickets, which was too bad. So hopefully we can bring them down and, and kind of change the vibes and, and keep the keep morale up for this next game do do they this isn't really relevant at all the the team section do they put it like on the same side as the team's bench yeah yes i hate it when they. yeah that's how it was yesterday i hate it when they do that because you the team it's harder for them to hear things in the huddle because all their fans are cheering behind them 
Oh, so it's hard for them to hear. Like my friends that like play college basketball, they talked about that before. How like we can't hear anything in the huddle because everybody's cheering so loud, which is great. They want them to be cheering, right? But like it's so hard to hear because everything is so loud. And I'm like, they should like switch it. Man, I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution actually at that point. But. I think that's a, more of a TV thing from an aesthetic because when the bench goes crazy and all their fans are behind them, it looks awesome. That's got to be like an, that's aesthetic, true. an aesthetic thing about that. But I mean, it's probably better for the fans too, right? Because you're you're closer to your team, and those are your guys. And so, so I'm sure there's a lot of benefits to it. But but yeah, just the stuff I've to, and granted the stuff I was talking about, like my friends played in a lot smaller gyms, and maybe in a big gym it doesn't matter at that point. Who knows? But that place is yeah. huge too. Is there. The acoustics were really weird. Like both teams had their bands there. You could barely hear it. Like we were in the lower bowl, but kind of towards the top. Um, and, and the acoustics were super strange. So. That place was. That place is terrible. That place is outdated. <laughs> it's really hard to get into your seats. Each section, each entry into the seats, they funnel four sections worth of people through it, and it's like it's a, It's just like herding sheep it, to get into your seats. It's that place need that place needs a major facelift. It's it is gigantic though. That place is bigger than Staples Center. It's like twenty three thousand seats or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think I heard it's the biggest basketball arena in the country or something like that. Yeah. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. So, like the team, celebrate the moment, which we just did. But mm-hmm. let's let's look ahead a little bit. I mean, we got Creighton on Sunday, two twenty Eastern, eleven twenty Pacific. I don't even know the metrics. It doesn't matter. We're all on the elite eight here. <laughs> um, Creighton was twenty four and twelve. They had a Kalkbrenner went out went out. He was sick, and they went mono. Yeah, and they were like nine and eight at one point in this season. So if that math is correct, they were fifteen and four since he's been back. So you know, tale of two. Their their record is not who they necessarily are. They're probably closer to that fifteen and four. Um, I mean, a rematch from last year's first round game. I mean, I we were joking about this last night. I feel really bad for Adam Seiko and Arthur Kaluma's mom. Like, what a what a you know, it's like the Kelsey's mom in the Super Bowl, like. Brutal position, you know. It's so happy and one, you know. It's just one of those things. But so, so I, have a, I have strong feelings about this. That she has got to be pulling a little bit harder for Adam, being a super senior. Arthur is a sophomore at Creighton, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's that's how I'm I'm encouraging her vibes to go our way. I, I think that his family was sitting in the Creighton section though last night. Were didn't, they? That, didn't that one guy tell us that because he was sitting with Adam's uncle? Oh, I'm not sure. And they were sitting over in the Creighton side, but either way, I mean, it's it's weird because this team has a weird, um, we have like a weird friendship with them. We're, we're connected with them in weird ways. So like we have Adam and Arthur's brother, they're brothers, obviously. They chartered the flight together mm-hmm. to Maui and that like Dutch and McDermott are pretty good friends and all of, all of the friends and families of each other like know each other from flying back and forth from Hawaii together. You know, the second year in a row, their fans all love our fans. I've had great experiences with their fans. Like it's, it's a very, you, like who would have thought kind of thing. Um, Thanks for great TV. But yeah, I mean, what's your first thoughts on Creighton Tron? Um, well, real quick, I got the I got the metrics pulled up. Creighton is 12th in Ken Palm. Um, they're 22nd on offense and 14th on defense, so they are super balanced. Um, arguably, even more balanced than than Alabama was. So there's that. Um, Creighton is going to be an interesting matchup. I did put on Twitter, I started a thread just like I did before Alabama of just all the numbers things that I found this morning. And if I get a chance later today, right, it's it's not even noon where, where I am yet, but if I get a chance later today, I'll try and look at some film. I also have to grade stuff because I'm an adult and being an adult is stupid and I'm a teacher and whatever. <laughs> Anyways, not the point. 
so I'm going to try and add some film if I can later. Um, they are super shallow. They play six and a half players if we're being generous. A lot of times it's closer to six players. Um, so they do not have a deep bench. And their sixth player off the bench, right, their first guy off the bench is, uh, at least in terms of player impact plus minus, he's like a big time negative. Um, his, his shot chart is like he can hit corner threes from the left side and he doesn't hit shots anywhere else um so he's an interesting guy he's a guard but their starting lineup has a lot of talent you start with their their center ryan kulkbrenner who was there last year as well um i think i could be wrong i think last year he was the biggies defensive player of the year i want to say he was this year too but i can't remember for sure um Regardless, he was in the running. He is a fantastic player in the post. He hits a lot of his free throws. He has a decent percentage from behind the arc, but he hasn't taken a lot of shots. Um, so he's like the main guy to look out for. They also they added Baylor Shireman, who was a transfer, I want to say, from South Dakota State. He was a guy I looked at for the Aztecs that I really wanted them to get because he's 6'7". He's a little skinny, but he's 6'7". He has all the offensive skills. He has great length, right? So he's like one of the bigger offensive threats that really adds to their perimeter attack as well. Um, they do have like a lot of height. It's not Alabama's level of height. Their starting lineup goes 6'4", six 6'7", six Six seven six seven and then seven one. So it is a lot of height, not quite Alabama's level, but still might be tricky. I I do expect, you know, I mentioned talking about who Kashan will be matched up on for the Creighton game earlier, and I think it'll be on Baylor Shireman, and then they will let Matt Bradley guard Arthur Kaluma at least to start, right? And then all the switching will happen and everything. But Kaluma is the same height but is beefier. So I think they'll probably try and put He Bradley's. looks like he put on some weight this year, yeah. too. He looked like a different guy in person yesterday. We, yeah. we stayed for the first half of the second game, and he looked like a different guy mm -hmm. compared to last season. Yeah, so I think they'll probably want to put Bradley on him and let Kashad's length try and try and bother Baylor Shireman. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's I mean, they're going to be a tough team, right? You're in the Elite Eight, there's no easy games. You're in the tournament, there's no easy games. But you're in the Elite Eight, there's no easy games. And there's, there's a lot to go through, and I encourage everybody to try and check out that Twitter thread. I wish I could do, like, an actual article like I did last year, and I, there's just not enough time for me to do that. But um, they are very, they're a very interesting team. What are, what are your guys' thoughts? I think, you know, the emotional part of this game is going to be a big deal. Um, because of what happened last year. I mean, there's no way to, there's no way to not think that's going to be a motivator for this team that gives them an extra push. I mean, only Parrish and Trammell weren't on that team. Yeah. You know, and they were the only, you know, Ladie was, Ladie was a practice player. Yep. He was there. And to think that there isn't going to be some extra motivation to be like, we had these guys for 37 minutes and let it get away. Even all the Creighton fans acknowledged that they stole that one from us. They acknowledged that yesterday. They're like, they were almost nervous to see. I mean, they obviously didn't want to see Alabama, but they were obviously nervous. <laughs> like, we know that, like, if we see you guys, we're gonna want to give to you back because of what of what happened last year. And the one thing that I that I did notice is that they do take over forty percent of their shots or threes. And for teams that do that, I'm pretty sure the Aztecs are undefeated or like very close to it. I think Kyle Parcell, he's, I've seen him a lot on Twitter. He had mentioned that they are. Like sixteen and zero, sixteen and zero against teams that put that shoot forty percent or more of threes. So, 
I think that's really good for us, especially, you know, you talk about their lack of depth. I mean, this is, you know, two games in three days, no depth, late in the season, shooting a lot of threes. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a recipe to clank a bunch of them, to be honest. I mean, maybe they won't. I mean, they, they hit shots, but that all of that stuff is a recipe to not to be tired, front run them, not make them. And I think that's a huge advantage for us. You know, I just some of their stars are, you know, Kaluma, uh, Bailey. Is that his first name? Um, ba- 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 the guy that transferred from South Shireman. Baylor. Shireman. Yeah. Um, I mean, that guy seems like a dynamite player. Um, but I think this is I think you can really throw out the resumes here because I think the teams probably know each other pretty well just from everything that we've seen over the year, how they're intertwined. They probably watch each other a lot because if they're hanging out with Kaluma. He's probably watching Adam's games and vice versa, so we pro- they probably all know each other pretty well. And I think this is going to feel a lot like a Mountain West tournament game where we everybody kind of just knows, and we'll just see who pulls it out. I don't know. What do you think, Carly? Yeah, one thing that I, I think is in our favor, you know, talking about their short bench is because of foul trouble, we had some real key guys not play very many minutes last night, you know, so... We had a rope only played 14 minutes against Alabama. Like, saving his body for this game is awesome. He played 30 last year against Creighton. Yeah, so we're going to have some fresher mm-hmm. legs for him. Butler played 22. Bradley played 19. So, you know, we have some key contributors that might be ready to go. Um, you know, and I think that really bodes bodes well for us. I think the, the second game of these two-game weekends, or like Austin was saying, the Mount West Conference Tournament and the intensity of those, like we are built for this. So I think if we can just smother them, make everything hard, make them tired, make them run, I think we will chip away. And, and, and I, I have a really good good vibes going into this game. Yeah, it, it feels like the second game of the Mountain West Tournament, the second weekend of the first, we all were like kind of had a breath and just like, all right, we're through the first one, on to the second one, and we dominated in both those scenarios. I don't see I, us dominating Creighton, but I do mm-hmm. feel like they'll we play, have some things skewing in our favor. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a really good game. I think it's gonna be electric in there. I mean their fans are their fans travel. Uh, there was a lot of them there. I think the fact that we're going to be just – I think everybody's going to pick against us again, and I think that's going to motivate them. They they said that it motivated them, that they were watching ESPN in their rooms before the game, like killing time, and that they saw that nobody picked them. So, you know, I think as much as, like, we want to look at the analytics and be like, all right, what can we do here and there? And there will be that – the team will obviously do that, but, like, there is a lot of just human nature going into this one that I think will affect the game as well. Yeah. Yeah, what's one of the other storylines that we haven't mentioned yet is Darian Trammell, even though he wasn't on the team, was watching that game from home or wherever he was. And like part of the reason he came to San Diego State was because he watched and he was like, that's a team that I can help out. Like if I'm on that team, they don't lose this game. And now he gets the chance to prove that, right? So that'll be interesting too. I just... I'm just so happy for these guys. Yeah. I mean, let's let's just get the good vibes out there. Kyle mentioned the thing from the Kansas game where Coach Fisher was just like, think good thoughts, bring good vibes. And there is a certain aspect to that. When the technical foul happened, my brain was spiraling, like, not again, like all of this. And I just kept telling myself, bring the good energy. I yelled it. I even yelled it out in the crowd, like, keep bringing the good stuff, keep being pot, you know. And I think that really was a, was a, was a difference maker in how they – didn't melt down when they were pressing. They had a bad jump ball in the corner. They, they forced it because they, 
Alabama actually had a really nice adjustment to our what we were doing. So we adjusted to put Seiko and Parrish to be the, the first option on that. So Alabama put Miller on Parrish in that situation. That was something they obviously scouted. So then it went to it went to Nate in the corner. But then they readjusted who they put on the floor in those situations. So then the next time it was Bradley, mm-hmm. and then Bradley was able to get out of it. So even though there was one kind of bad jump ball in the corner, there wasn't like a Virginia play where the guy just launched it down the floor for an interception. And although we did do that, and luckily, like, uh, luckily Micah got it. Yeah, and <laughs> it the, was a better pass than in Virginia. And then they and then they found an adjustment to just say, hey, look, four shooters in, don't need to worry about bigs. We'll sub in and out. And they made the adjustment. Bradley came up big. He split the triple team yeah. and got fouled. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, that's just, I, you know, the, the good vibes are there. And I think that's an, that's important this time of year because when you have the bad vibes like Alabama did, it just kind of the 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 house crumbled a little bit. It can bit. snowball. It, it, so yeah, it their snowball. balloon felt deflated. And you know, I just think that. Every single fan here, at home, wherever, is so appreciative of this team and where we are today. And so we just need to kind of bring it all, bring it all together, and, and keep cheering them on. You know, we're one of only eight teams in the country. By tomorrow, there'll be a few more that are out, mm-hmm. still playing college basketball this season. So what a joy! All right, Chad. Any final thoughts here before we wrap it up? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think so should be a fun game i do want to shout out i don't i don't know his name but kind of you guys were talking about how creighton fans have been great and there's one specific one on twitter who like went back to a thread we had last year and like found me again and was like for for the past couple games has been like i really hope you guys make it because this will be like that would be a fun rematch like like he was excited and then he he messaged me the other day and was like or, or after the game and was like you know i know you have to root for princeton but I forgive you for it already. And I messaged him back and I was like, <laughs> Aztec fans want Creighton. I promise you. Aztec fans want if, that revenge If Princeton game. would have won, we would have eaten them alive. Mm-hmm. But this will be better basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. No, just and, get the uh, W. Yeah. Just win, baby. I hate the Raiders, but just win, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, We'll be back probably after the game tomorrow, see how it goes. Um, Just give our thoughts there. Um, Didn't bring all this stuff, didn't bring the extra stuff just to have it sit in my backpack. So um, we'll be there. Um, Check out Trone stuff on Twitter. That That thread is super helpful. Yeah, go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. Go Aztecs.